The situation and information around COVID-19 is changing every day. With that in mind, please note that this episode was recorded on March 30th. This is a special edition of Of Note, a podcast on innovation. We are having timely conversations with some of the innovators from season one about the coronavirus pandemic and how it's affecting their personal, professional, and business lives. Today, we are talking with Philippe Herndon. Philippe launched Caroline Guitar Company in 2010 to design, create, sell, and repair boutique guitar pedals. He originally wanted to make only pedals because, well, he could. Instead, the company took off as demand for his product did. Today, Caroline Guitar Company pedals have made it on the boards of artists like Chris Cornell, Nels Klein, Ben Bridwell, David Cobb, and Jason Isbell. When we last interviewed Philippe, he shared his personal journey, which led him to found Caroline Guitar Company. Oh, no, no. I had no plan to make these products. I had absolutely no plan. I had gone to the Moore School of Business with the intent of developing into a marketing or product development post with a larger company. Uh, unfortunately, it was 2007 through 2009, which is the economic financial collapse in this country, and nobody was hiring. So what I started to do is to make these pedals with a friend of mine as what we called thunkware, as basically serve something for the portfolio that when I were to go to a product design or development firm, I'd be able to drop something on their desk and say, this is what I've been working for in the meantime while I've been looking for jobs. I was trying to become a lieutenant on a big ship. I was not trying to become a captain of a small ship. And shared humorous anecdotes about his business school pedigree turned garage inventor, his approach to product naming, and stories of relationships with artists. If you haven't watched Philippe's videos or listened to the podcast session, check it out online at scribblesc.com. So I hey well first of all man thank you so much for uh, for for taking the time out and just having this chat um, you know we we've had the chance to kind of come back around and talk to a couple people but again your perspective on this is so unique and interesting uh, I think it's very interesting with you because we get someone who is an entrepreneur who is a maker who is a designer who um, you know who 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 can represent that point of view here no thanks for having me. I like the human interaction too. Yes, with everybody sort of been like, yeah, you want me to talk? I'll talk. Um, what's so? Just let's just start out. Like, tell me what's how how has life changed for you? You know, starting from like February to now, what's what's been the change like? You know, I uh, I gotta be I'd be honest. I'm kind of kicking myself for not seeing this coming, or not seeing the scope of it coming. Hmm. Um, because in early February, we had parts suppliers from China uh, who normally could do things for us with a four or five day turn. And what I mean by that is four days till part is completed and maybe international shipping sometimes is as little as three to seven days. Um, so four to five day turn on their production and right. then shipping. Uh, we were seeing those lead times moving from four days to seven weeks wow. due to coronavirus. And when you think of the scope and the, the capacity and just the sheer number of people and hands on deck that uh, were available to our suppliers and the competitors in China, it's, it, it should have been jaw dropping and caused for 
for running out of the house with our hair on fire. Because if it goes from four days to seven weeks, then something really calamitous is happening. Right. That is a massive change in your uh, capacity to produce, the size of your teams. They went down the skeleton, the skeleton teams. They even, at one point, I was worried that we lost our money forever because their website went down. Um, they didn't even have staff on hand to maintain their web presence and things. I mean, it was, it was alarming. And this is one of the most clockwork suppliers and stuff that we had ever seen. You know, what's interesting about you talking about that, uh, Philippe, is, is, is that I, I didn't, when I, when I originally thought about this, I thought, okay, he might be, you might be doing pretty well right now because, you know, people have the time to, to let's call it indulge. Um, but then I realized that you are retailer based. You can't, you can't buy your product uh, necessarily from your website, can you? You you have to go through a retailer to to, to get your hands on this. Yes, we've always been wholesaling uh, without a direct channel to customers, and that has been a uh, that is something that we're going to have to reevaluate now. Okay, um, interesting. In terms, mainly, uh, mainly because we're getting a heads up that. Um, you know, some of our retailers did not have runway or cash flow or uh, contingency plans for any of this stuff happening. Um, some of the better ones, it's basically a Pareto principle thing again, where the better ones sure. uh, are able to absorb some of this stuff. And we have maintained our ability to have runway uh, for myself and my employees. But uh, I'm sort of I'm sometimes realizing that our existing business model is very much at the mercy of the capacity and competency of the people who are sending our products or providing our product to the end user. Mm-hmm. So for internet style sales or, uh, or, you know, sales that don't depend upon the person having face to face with the retailer, it's uh, almost been a little bit, <laughs> I don't want to say foolhardy, but we've just sort of, uh, we've outsourced that to retailers. Sure. Um, And it's now something where I am having to come to grips with the fact that we are in the 20th century and people will want to do more direct sales. You've talked about pivoting your products a little bit and and in some ways pivoting how you sell them. Talk to me a little bit about how you're managing your team. You know, you have have employees. Um, How has has this changed now, uh, you know, with all the needs for, for social distancing and isolation? You know, it's been a it's been a little bit of a challenge for us because, um, I mean, what we make kind of depends on people being present to make things, um, and there's only so much work from home that people can do. Uh, we were ideally kind of set up for this in some ways because we had, um, I mean, each person could have over a hundred square feet of space to themselves. You know, mm-hmm. where they could almost not even have to interact with the other person at all. <laughs> I mean, we regularly had days where you walk in, put on headphones, <laughs> and, uh, you know, do their thing, put stuff on boxes and out, you know, and there's almost that no interaction. Um, so for me, I think the challenge has been uh, kind of being able to cater to the comfort level of my guys um, and just reassuring them that. We do have runway, we do have a little bit of time, 
and we can uh, absorb some hits. But also, I don't want to pressure them into feeling like they have to come in. Um, if they are more comfortable staying at home, um, if they are more comfortable wait, waiting this out, we can accommodate and work on that front as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get some pushback on that. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, I got pushback from them where they said, you know, candidly, <laughs> one of my guys said, candidly, I feel like I'd be better at socially isolating if I come into work because when I come into work, I just come into work. I might go get carry out for lunch or I'll bring it from home, but I come in, do stuff, and leave. But he's like, well, I wonder what I'll do if I'm just left at home with my thoughts all day. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, like, that's a fair point. You know, he's got, you know, I think the routine of it is been refreshing for guys. But the other thing that's been a challenge is with all the slowdowns globally in our supply chain, I can accommodate my guys coming in, but also we have shortages of stuff they can do. What, uh, so, and, and just to make sure that people understand, you, you all, you when you're building um, these pedals, I mean, you, you, you have to do this from from your your shop your office right like they can't it's not like they can they just can't take their computer with them home and, and work remote that's not an option here they they have to come in and and build these things and craft them where all of the parts are okay gotcha so so the idea of remote work there that's there has to be a hands-on physical assembly and testing and packaging of a physical product how have you? Uh, how so? How have you all stayed productive and optimistic during this? Do you have any advice for for our listeners in terms of how to stay productive and optimistic during during these trying times? Biggest thing for me has been able to forgive myself for not being perfectly productive and amazing at all times while dealing with this. <laughs> and. <laughs> I have to remind myself that I am not going to teach my five-year-old Mandarin. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Not during this time. I'm not going to be able to finish the singer-songwriter EP I've been working on for 10 years. Not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Right. Uh, I saw a great Instagram post from this uh, site I follow, or this uh, meme poster I follow named Tank Sinatra. And he said, and the post was, I'm telling myself I'm a good father as I take my son's pajamas from yesterday off to put him into his pajamas for today. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, I mean, there's all these real woulda, shoulda, coulda ideals about what you're supposed to be doing with this time while you're stuck at home navigating children, navigating work, navigating constraints, navigating isolation, navigating the removal of a whole bunch of things, navigating the removal of schools and daycares and other places that will cook your food for you when you don't have time to do it. And this removal of all this stuff and the removal of natural human instincts to be present with each other and care about each other and in person with each other and be able to see different environments and all these things. And all of that stuff has been taken away by this. And that sucks. I mean, I think it helps to be able to say, yeah, that sucks. So let's forgive ourselves a little bit, be a little patient with each other, 
and ourselves and each other and the people we're stuck with and our vision of ourselves as we adapt to this. My pass blocking technique has gotten amazing. I'm like Walter Jones. I'm like Pro Bowler for the Seahawks <laughs> Hall of Famer. Like my kids try to get in that room while my wife is doing telework. It's like, mm, 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 and arms stiff out, extended. I'm cutting them off. There's like, mm, no way. They are not getting around that corner. They are not getting around that corner. My wife is in a beautifully safe pocket to be able to do that telework. No way. Mm-mm. You know? Oh, yeah. So, so outside of outside of learning how to how to block and tackle, what what is what 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 are some other things you've learned about yourself through this this time? I'm a I'm a little proud of my team and I for having been able to work as Spartan as we can um, to maintain you know some runway, some margin to be able to adapt, to figure out what we're going to be able to do next, and um, to be able to be committed to wanting everything to work out okay for us and for each other. And I think we need to look into uh, people having the resources to be able to help each other out. And we need to look into the small business uh, loans that are set up with the CARES Act, uh, the payroll protection stuff. Everybody needs to look into those if they can, if their business in a position to. Um, but it's also made me rethink the value of all of these uh, local eateries and coffee shops and retailers and I'd always appreciated I thought I and I think my wife and I have taken pride that we're not terrible customers <laughs> at cafes and, and, and coffee shops and things we've always been proud of being decent tippers and things like that I think we'd always appreciated the people that we see day to day in our circuit that we would make through our day and um I look forward to seeing them again. You're a student of culture. Uh, I, I, you know, I remember visiting your shop. Love, love all your wares. Love, love your brand, uh, your branding. Like, what content are you consuming right now um, that's keeping you inspired and motivated? What are you? What are you? What are you taking in on? You'd be at social or on TV. Can you share some of that? I've kind of enjoyed being able to just follow Instagram and follow artists doing live shows. I saw Keith Urban did a live show. Um, I saw this uh, guitarist named Andy Oathling who does these morning almost meditations where he creates like ambient sounding guitar soundscape things. Been reading a kind of amusing book called Humans, A Brief History of How We Effed It All Up by Tom Phillips. Yeah. It's kind of a reminder that we, uh, this is, this is not the first, um, first disaster that we've gone through. That's fantastic, man. Philippe Herndon, founder of Caroline Guitar Company. Uh, sir, pre- appreciate you taking the time out to chat with us today, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next time we can get together and uh, and chat, man. Thank you. No, I, I look forward to that in person. Absolutely. Sure that happens. Yes, let's, let's do that. Thank you for everything. All right, man. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our special edition of Of Note, a podcast on innovation. We hope you found this conversation enlightening and informative. And if you have, please rate and share with your friends.